Welcome to God TV Radio, hosted by Brett Keane. When you get a chance you should check out his popular radio station. You can listen through Spotify and Amazon Music as well as hundreds of other sources all over the internet. He has also authored five books that you can buy on Amazon and many other stores. All art and graphic designs by Brett Keane. Join his live shows if you have a microphone. Look on his front channel for scheduled shows. All information and links in the description of his videos. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. I'm here with Proverbs Guy. You want to say hello? Hello, hello, good people. Yeah. So for anybody out there that might be interested in getting into the discussion, if Mr. Proverbs Guy can quit scratching the hell out of the microphone. Oh, so if anybody who's interested in getting into the discussion, you can get a hold of me at brettkeenphone at gmail.com. The link is in the description, and you're more than welcome to come in and uh, chat with us. We are trying to do a couple shows where we actually have a set topic on what we're going to talk about and have a discussion, and tonight we're going to talk about what happens, what happens with Christians that they commit suicide. Now, later on in the discussion, when people come in, if you're a pagan or a Muslim or a non-believer or whatever, you want to come in and describe for us what happens to you and your faith or non-belief or what happens when you die in, in such a way, you can let us know. And we're going to have some different discussions. We'll talk about some Bible verses and we'll talk about what some denominations and churches view on it. And of course, we're going to express and share our view on this. Uh, Proverbs guy, are you still with us? You look like you went red for a moment there. No, no, no. I just muted my mic. All right. Cool. Cool. I guess I'll, uh, I'll throw out a tough question at you there, a Proverbs guy, because if anybody checks out his channel, you're going to see that he's very biblically sound and he does a great deal of research. He also had a father who was uh, a Hebrew, right? Mr. Proverbs guy. That is correct. Yep. Lifelong Torah observer. Okay, so Proverbs guy, you obviously believe that God has all the attributes that he is. Omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowing, and all these traits, right? That's correct. And those are just the traits that we know of. Right. If we look in the book of Revelation, it talks about God being the one who holds the keys to life and death. Basically, he's control of all things. He controls all the mechanisms in the universe and how life works and exists. So here's where it gets tricky, Proverbs guy. No matter how a person's life ends, being that God knows everything, 
no matter if someone takes their life or they die naturally or from some disease or something horrible, God is in full control and he knows our time, no matter what the case might be. Is that correct? And if you that is correct, elaborate. go ahead and elaborate. All right. So there's without question that God knows the time and place of our death. That's indisputable. But there's also other scripture verses, like the one that says, don't be foolish and die before your time, which would tell me that we do have some say over the time and manner of our death, which can totally coexist with God being in complete control and knowing our time, uh, and us having some sort of say in it, like living recklessly, smoking cigarettes, getting cancer, driving fast, being in a car accident. The, the two don't counter each other whatsoever. So it's totally possible that God can know millions of years before he even thought about creating the earth, the very time and place we were going to die. But that doesn't exactly mean that we had to be ordained to die in that moment, or the scripture wouldn't tell us not to be foolish and die before our time. Very good. Very good. Now, I guess we can go along with some Bible verses. We'll fly through that and also have some discussions on these different things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, it says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now, when God speaks of temples, is he speaking of our bodies or is he speaking of stone and building structures? Hey, Missing Mod. Yeah, so God is definitely talking about our bodies. We are the, the temple, the dwelling place of the living God now. There's no need for a, an actual temple of brick and mortar because the Holy Spirit's actually able to dwell in us now. All right, and I agree with that. I agree that our bodies are our temples. But there are people who unfortunately find themselves in pretty rough positions, like who've been in car accidents, or they do suffer from some kind of genetic disorder or disease. These people who are fatally set to die, um, should we have an issue if their parents or their family members, let's say someone's brain dead, and someone decides that they need to pull the plug on that. Is that a problem for the person who has to make that choice? And is that an issue for the person who's in the, the unfortunate state? So that's a really interesting question, Brett. And honestly, I don't even believe that specific situation is tied in with the category of suicide, as in pulling the plug if you're brain dead. Well, for one thing, if you're brain dead, you really have option of whether or not the plug, the plug is pulled. Unless, of course, you did a order ahead of time saying, hey, if I'm ever brain dead, pull the plug. My other point with that would be, it's the soul that brings us to life, right? The body, the, the brain, these are things that help us become mechanical, methodical, uh, give us the functionality of a living being, but it's the soul that makes the personality it's the soul that makes us an actual human being and if we're already brain dead to me i recognize that the soul has already gone on to its next place whether that be eternal damnation or being in heaven with the father or if you believe in soul sleep but i think it's very evident 
that if someone is brain dead and they're being kept alive on life support, there's no soul there. There's no life in that body anymore. All we're doing is preserving the vessel that the soul left a long time ago. Proverbs, are you familiar with a film called Redline? That sounds really familiar. Refresh me. Well, it's a movie basically about soldiers who are trying to make their way up an embankment in order to uh, go after their opponent, their enemy. Well, when the American soldiers are making their way up the hill, unfortunately, one of the uh, soldiers pull out a grenade and he's prepared to throw it to take out the enemy. But in doing so, he accidentally slips the pin and drops the grenade in the very foxhole that his guys are in. He realizes that he made a terrible mistake, and he realizes that the grenade is most likely going to kill his entire platoon. So he dives on the grenade. He knows he's not going to be able to fully stop the impact, but he feels with his body it won't be able to do the shrapnel and take out his entire platoon. And that's exactly what happened. But it killed him, obviously. It tore his insides up and ended his life when he did it. When a guy does this, when a guy makes a sacrifice to save his own platoon, even though it was his own mistake with the grenade, does a guy like this have an opportunity to uh, get through Judgment Day and make his way to heaven? Oh, absolutely, Brett. 100%. As a matter of fact, we know that the word says there is no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his brother, which is exactly what Christ Jesus did for us. So when you give up your life in a selfless act like that, there's no other act that you could ever perform to show more love to your neighbor or your brother. And isn't that the second greatest commandment, Brett? One would be that you love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, strength. And the second greatest commandment is like this, love your neighbor. Well, I agree with that and amen to that. Whenever we talk about Jesus, Jesus says that he gave his life freely. He doesn't say, they took my life. I gave my life freely. He also said repeatedly that if I wanted to bring forth angels or I wanted to stop this event, I could do it. I have the power to be able to do this. So the question is, and I've heard some people actually blame different groups for why Jesus died. Nobody could have killed Jesus unless Jesus allowed the sacrifice. Is this true, or do you have a different way of looking at it? It is without question that Christ Jesus laid down his own life for us. We didn't take his life. The Jews didn't take his life. The Gentiles didn't take his life. Rome didn't take his life. Who on earth, who with human hands, Brett, could kill a living God, creator of the heavens and the earth whose hands literally made all things the only way that he ever could have been our sacrifice our passover lamb our redeemer is if he literally humbled himself and allowed himself to be our sacrifice now i got a strange question for you proverbs if a person doesn't believe in god though if they lack a belief in god how can they describe to a person how exactly significant their value? You've listened to a lot of different views and ideas on that. What would you, how would somebody be able to even argue someone's relevance in the universe without a prime mover? You can't, Brett. You know, the simple truth is, is that without believing in a creator, the human existence is reduced to nothing more than 
You're literally an animal. Now, you do feel like animals have significance and value, and heck, there's even some Christians out there and people who treat animals sometimes better than their fellow man. But if you're a non-believer, what would you be able to say to someone, even if it came to, you know, that you like something, you care about something, what kind of argument could be made? Is it still the same response? Well, see, being a believer or a non-believer, I don't think that would necessarily affect your love for nature, right? An atheist can absolutely be a dog lover. I don't think that that would be in conflict with itself. However, with a believer, you have something that goes actually a step farther. Because when God created the animals in the garden, he put man over the animals. And it wasn't just to subdue them, but it was actually to care for them. So as a believer, we don't just have the choice of loving nature, loving animals. We have the obligation held to a higher standard than the atheists. Okay, I got a tough question for you. You had brought up a Bible verse earlier, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 17. Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? You were saying that people shouldn't be in a rush to die before their time. But doesn't God control all of time and existence? He does, but you have to keep in mind he still gave us free will. And that free will still extends to the point of our life. Now, it's also true that if deemed it fit, he can take your life. I mean, he holds every life in his hand. But that doesn't mean that he's the one who crushes that life. Because that verse that you just read, I definitely believe, points to the idea that we have some sort of say in it. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, un the unfortunate sadness of whenever parents or adults or a spouse has to actually choose to turn the machine off of people. You were saying that you believe that once a person is officially brain dead, to you, they're already dead. They're already gone. Yes, that's correct. Yep. I don't know if you heard a story a few years back. But there was a woman, I think that I might have told you a little bit about this. There was a woman who had gotten into an accident. She was in the condition for uh, quite a few years, yet her parents continued to visit her. They continued to spend time with her as if she was still alive, as, still, as though she was still functioning. However, they started noticing something unusual about her. Her physical form started to go through changes. They had her looked at by the doctors, and they found out that she was pregnant. Apparently, while she was in the state and unable to defend herself, someone in the medical field decided to come in and actually impregnate her while she was in this position. What is your thoughts on that? And why do you think it is that the body was so, still able to produce life, but at least not for her? Well, again, you know, that goes back to it's the soul itself that animates the body. It's the soul that makes us something living. However, we can artificially keep the vessel going. And the womb and the woman's body really has one purpose when it comes to childbirth. It works as an incubator, 
in all actuality. So even with the soul absent, even with the brain capacity absent from that body, as long as it's being artificially pumped, the heart's artificially pumped, the blood's artificially flowed, you could absolutely um, probably carry that baby full term, I would wager. Proverbs guy, have you ever interacted or engaged people who, who have actually had thoughts of suicide, whether they went through it or not? Yeah, I have, Brett. As a matter of fact, my, uh, my brother passed away a few years ago. He was really ill. He had lupus, and he overdosed on pain medication one night so that he could escape his pain. So suicide is a topic that's very dear to me. And that's why where some Christians, I think, they get offended almost at the concept of ending your life, almost like you're stealing that decision from God. And I definitely believe that in those circumstances, you're going to have to answer to a just God and your creator one day. But ultimately, Brett, we serve a compassionate God. And a lot of people also confuse something, right? Anytime you ask them, well, what's wrong with suicide? Not in every case, but in almost every case, they'll point to scripture verses about murder. But murder is something very specific. Murder is stealing the soul from somebody else's vessel. Murder is in no way related to ending your own life. So we have to be very careful about putting that kind of judgment on somebody, which I feel like in the Christian faith, we do way too much. What denominations, from what you've experienced, seem to have the most issue with this concept? And also, Proverbs, I want to say I'm sorry to hear about what happened with your brother. I appreciate that, Brett. You know, as far as... As far as the misconceptions and staunch stances that people take on suicide, I don't really think I've observed it in one denomination over another, but it's definitely prominent in the Protestant um, denominations from what I've observed, I would have to say. And that goes for, for many Baptists, for Pentecostals, and for all the other various Protestant denominations. And I, I think, you know, at, at face value, Brett, there's nothing wrong with it, really, because we should put the ultimate value on life, right? You know, God literally breathed his own breath into us to animate us, to give us that soul, to give us, to give us the function to walk and talk and breathe and think. And we should value that and appreciate it. But ultimately... These bodies that we have, this life that we're on earth, it's just a vapor. It's really just a practice for the afterlife. What really matters on earth is how much faith you put in Christ Jesus. Did you believe that he died for your sins? And did you treat your, your neighbor with love? And did you love your enemy even? These are things I think that on Judgment Day, God's going to look at a lot than were you in a deep pit of despair? Were you in so much pain that just the thought of waking up in the morning was agonizing to you? Or maybe it was for a selfless reason, Brett. I'll give you a good example. My dad's dad was not in the picture. He died very early on, my grandfather. And there was a man across the street who kind of took my dad in under his wing. 
He was a really good man. He treated my dad really good. And as a young boy, he taught him all the attributes of becoming a man. He, he really took on the role of my dad's father. They got into a lot of financial trouble, the, the man and his wife. They lived across the street from my dad and my grandmother and my aunt. And they were going to lose the house. They were going to be homeless. His wife was going to be destitute. So this man, his name was Frankie. He went in the backyard one day and he sat himself down on a chair. He sent his wife and kids to the store and he put a gun to his heart and he pulled the trigger and he ended it. And they found out afterwards that he had a life insurance policy. And it was because of that selfless act, he was able to ensure that his wife would forever be cared for. They didn't lose their home. She had a warm place to stay in the winter. Her children were cared for. They didn't have to be in that destitute situation. And even though it might seem like it was a selfish act and he left his, his widowed wife behind and his children without a father, ultimately, it's a father's job and a husband's job to be a provider. And when he ran out of options, he took the only choice he thought he had left to be that provider in the long term. And I don't think God's going to punish him for that. Anybody who wants to join the discussion, I'm going to be opening it up to allow people to come in on the mic in a little while. <clears throat> you can email me at prettyphone at gmail.com if you'd like to join. All right, some more questions out there. Does anyone out there in the uh, chat have any questions about the topic that we're talking about? I guess I'll move on to this Proverbs guy. Did you see my video? where I talk about the suicide rate between people of faith as well as uh, people of non-belief. No, I didn't, Brett. Well, apparently, according to stats, and I actually found these stats by frequenting atheist forums and blogs and all this, I went to uh, richarddawkins.net, I believe is what it's called, and they were they had a topic up that said that atheists have a very, very serious suicide issue. According to the stats, and they had a graph up there, I've got a picture of it if people want to see it, the graph shows that atheists have so many suicides in their camp that it even goes over all the religions combined, paganism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, all that. And believe it or not, Islam's very small on the list. And I know what some people might say, how is that possible because of all that bad PR you see in the news with Muslims and bombs and all that kind of stuff. What is your thoughts on that? Why do you think it is that certain groups seem to have massive fatalities as, as others? Do you think it's the fear of hell or something, or is there something else? Hmm. So really, I look at this as two questions. One, why would the atheist community have the highest suicide rates? And that's a really easy question to answer. I think that's because in the atheist belief, you have to you have to set yourself around the theory of evolution. And evolution tells us that we're an accident. We have no value. We're nothing special in the universe. We're the product of stardust turning into some kind of funk growing on a rock and developing into an algae. If, if you thought that was your existence, Brett, and you really in your heart believed that you had no value, that you were an accident in the universe, why would you value your life? 
And I also know that the suicide rate is higher in certain groups like for homosexuals. And that's a shame and it really breaks my heart because my heart does go out for them. But I think that's an easy one to explain also because when you're actively living in sin, and I'm not talking about being someone who tries your hardest to not sin, but you sin occasionally anyways, because we all do that. But when you wake up every morning and decide that you're going to live in sin, every day you do that, you separate yourself from God a little bit more and more. And even though you can convince yourself that what you're doing is okay, your soul knows better. And every step you take away from God You're taking a step into despair, into depression, until ultimately your life, again, has no value. It's a value system. You know, I think that uh, atheists, as well as people of different faiths, they have a lot of common ground whenever it comes to trying to survive and live their life. And we all sometimes will end up finding that fork in the road we sometimes go down a dark road where it just doesn't seem like there's no way back, like we've went beyond the point of no return. And it can get lonely, it can get dark, it can get scary. You can feel like nobody loves me, nobody appreciates me, nobody nobody is going to make any impact in my life. And I'm curious if you've got someone who believes that there's hope and that there might be light at the end of the tunnel, that there's someone there that is watching and listening and does love you, it seems like you have more advantage to be able to benefit from that view and that belief to be able to wake up the next morning and breathe again and try again, as opposed to believing that the dark road is all you have. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, man. It's like you said, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You have hope. And let's be honest, man, hope is a very powerful thing. How many wars has hope got Americans through? Look at look at trench warfare in World War One. Bunker down, bullets flying all around, explosions everywhere. You're deaf from all the explosions going off. You're half blind from all the flashbangs. But still we had hope that we were the greatest fighting force on the face of the earth. And hope has got mankind through so much. As a matter of fact, hope got us through damnation. You know, before Christ came and revealed himself, we didn't have the crucifixion to look back on as a reminder like we do today. We had to hope that God was going to keep his promise. We had to believe that God was going to keep his promise. And God rewards hope sometimes. And we should never forget that. Not to segue any on the topic, and I'm going to start letting people come in to have discussions. On that same forum that I was looking at, whenever it comes to stats and all that, I did notice that someone ended up responding to the suicide thing with, why are there so many people of faith who are in prison or jails and all that? And I found that to be pretty interesting. Why would people do that? And you mentioned the concept of hope. I ended up looking into something called Jailhouse Jesus. Have you ever heard of this before, Proverbs? Well, not if it's a specific organization, but I've heard of Jailhouse Religion. I mean, that's when your back is against the wall and you literally have nothing else in life to live for. And sometimes God will put us in that situation on purpose just to draw us to him. 
Well, jailhouse Jesus is kind of a slang term for people who, once they go into prison, they end up wanting to find groups or people to protect them and people that they can hang with that will will do the littlest a bit of harm to them. And they say that, according to the stats, whenever a lot of non-believers get in there, they turn towards either Islam or Christianity. Paganism doesn't seem to be like a, a thing that's even... I guess, respected in the prison population. But jailhouse Jesus is basically whenever someone claims that they're a part of Christianity or Islam. Sometimes they do it because they're genuine and sincere, and others do it because they think the parole board will like that. What's your thoughts? Well, I think you just nailed it on the head. I'd say probably 40% of them do it because they think the parole board is going to approve and they're going to say, hey, this guy's showing that he's turned his life around. You know, he hasn't robbed any banks lately and now he says he's given his life to Jesus. Maybe this guy has changed. Let's give him another chance. But I think the majority of the jailhouse religion folk, I, I do think it's more intimate than that. You're literally trapped in a room multiple hours of a day, we'll say 23 hours a day, you get some time to go out and eat or whatnot. You have no control over your life. You realize just how un-in control you actually are. And when you're in those situations, the one thing you're going to detest the most is having people like prison guards have ultimate control over your life. So the only way you're able to preserve any kind of power over your life whatsoever is to take it away from the prison guards and give it to your creator, right? Because then you feel like, okay, he's got control over me. I mean, in reality, the guard can still go to your cell. He can tell you to come eat now or you're not going to eat. But it goes back to that hope thing. You know, you give your life to God in jail, and you have something to look forward to. Yeah, after looking at that stats, I ended up finding myself in a very addictive research, and I discovered that uh, unlike some communities like atheist groups and pagans and Muslims, a lot of Christians go into, like, prisons, and they basically uh, prophesize to them. They teach them and all that, and it helps bring a lot of people over. A lot of people who end up going in don't believe. Like Jeffrey Dahmer, for instance, he had no hope whatsoever. He said, I didn't see any value or significance in life. He said, I believe I came from evolution, from the slime, is how he put it, and don't feel like I have to have any moral, ethical parameters whatsoever. Who's to control me? Hey, Water the Vineyard, how you doing? Our fellow token Catholic in the room. Good that you got in here. I wouldn't mind hearing your views on the suicide issues. Yeah, he was an interesting character. I really enjoyed the dialogue with him. Water, would you like to express your views? Are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What is your views on suicide? What does your philosophy teach? And hopefully Proverbs guy can mute his mic so we don't have to hear all that scratching over there. I don't know what's going on. He must have a really itchy back or something. Go ahead there, Water. What you got for me? Start uh, by saying, and like, I really, really appreciate you talking about this suicide. A lot of people uh, are this way as well. It's um, affected me through people like my family and friends. Um, so I appreciate you having this discussion. I believe that 
humans do not have uh, God's creation in that we can destroy it. So we see sewer, but I, I was listening earlier to what Proverbs was saying, and the point about murder is you're taking or you're making the decision for someone else, the decision for yourself. I do think that in the modern uh, world, I think I would agree with that. And ultimately, um, we as Catholics also believe it is up to God. I mean, we we will never be able to say for certain. It, and he is a compassionate God. So um, I think that uh, in, in, in the right circumstances, it is definitely an, an understandable part of human existence. All right, Water and uh, Proverbs guy, I've got a question for you. And me and uh, Proverbs actually talked about this for a moment. And I'd love to see what you think about it, Water, and anybody out there. For anybody out there who is religious or part of some kind of denomination, you may want to listen very closely to this. In the Bible, there is a figure by the name of Samson. Whether you believe it's allegory or it's the real deal or a real literal story, this figure was tortured, he was beaten, and then he was chained up between two pillars that was holding up a structure, a building with a bunch of Philistines inside. He had lost all of his strength for disobeying God with his girlfriend Delilah. She had betrayed him. In the story, he says... God, please give me the strength and the power to pull these pillars and bring this building down on myself, not just ending my life, but also your enemies, my Lord. And God actually gave him the strength and the power to pull this. And it is believed by Christians that Samson was a great and legendary hero. They believe that he was a man of God, and many believe that he actually went to heaven. And God watched upon him and gave him the power to end it all. So what is your views on that? If suicide is wrong, how do we explain this? I think that's a pretty fair example um, from the Bible to bring up. And I think I point that both uh, Proverbs and I have just made that um, uh, in some instances, suicide fits into providence. It fits into God's. Proverbs, are you still with us? Uh -oh. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I'm still with you. I thought you might have scratched your back so hard your phone exploded. What you got? For no, you? no. My for some reason, Brett, my uh, phone takes like half of a second to mute and half of a second to unmute. So uh, that's what that's about. Fair enough. Did you hear the what I was able to say out there, or did my microphone mess up or anything? No, no, I heard the question about about Samson, right? Right. You and I have talked about this, and I felt it would be important and significant to bring up in the conversation. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Samson is a perfect example because we know that he took his own life. Now, some could say and argue that it was for a selfless reason, 
Maybe he was saving his people by trying to destroy all the Philistines. But in someone out there who maybe has read something into it more than I have can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm always willing to correct. But I don't think the scripture points to that. As a matter of fact, it's kind of open-ended for you to kind of make your own interpretation from it. And I really believe that it had a lot more to do with revenge for the torture and humiliation Samson had just gone through, more worried about destroying all the Philistines to save his people. I mean, again, you have to remember, this is Samson. This is someone who had faith in God because he literally destroyed thousands of the enemy with just the jaw uh, of an ass. So he knew that if he died, God could raise up somebody else very easily to take out the Philistines. So I don't think it was that. I think that would be a very ignorant thing for Samson to think that God had to use this blinded man uh, stuck to a pillar. Absolutely not. Samson was mad. Samson had been humiliated. And even though Samson made mistakes and he was being punished for it, God had compassion on him. And God still favored Samson. And Samson's a beautiful example because he definitely committed suicide. But he's mentioned in Hebrews in the Hall of Heroes. All right, I got another biblical verse for you, Proverbs and water, and anybody out there listening, I would love to hear your opinion on it. John 12, 25, whosoever loves his life loses it, and whosoever hateth his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That's from the ESV. It might have a different word instead of hate in there. But it's basically, from my interpretation, it's saying those who love the materialistic things of this world and the selfish things of this world and is not willing to give up their life, well, those who are willing to give will receive eternal life. How do you take it, Proverbs? As you know, I'm a work in progress and water. Mm. I definitely think that verse is in reference to hating. When it says, you know, hating to hating... uh, the world of sin that we live in this fall. Well, Proverbs, you want to go? I don't know what's wrong with Waters' uh, microphone over there. We know he's Catholic. Hopefully he didn't spill any holy water on it or something because it's not working <laughs> is it, properly. Uh, is my voice not clear? It's breaking up a little bit, man. I don't know if you're running a download over there or what. No, I'm I'm not running a second. Well, maybe it's restream for you. You might want to like lower the resolution or the audio settings on that a little bit. I don't know. Hopefully that'll get worked out here in a bit. I'm going to start using StreamYards in the future, and people seem to be doing better with that function. But go ahead there, Proverbs guy. What were you going to say? Well, uh, truthfully, Brett, can you refresh me on the question? Well, as you know, God, he tells us basically don't get attached to the things of this world that we, if we love him and we keep his, keep what he tells us to do, whosoever loves his life loses it. And whosoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What do you get from that? What's your interpretation? I know that the verse isn't telling us that we should hate our life and jump off the nearest bridge or something. But it's, I think it's an important and valuable uh, concept of the discussion we're having. What is your view of it? So I'm not 100% sure that 
this particular verse is in relation to, say, suicide. Um, this verse is more in relation to contrast, right? In contrast, do you love your life more than you love Christ? Do you love your life so much that if he told you to go into a village that's on an island that's never seen civilized man, and you know that they're cannibalistic, and he tells you to go preach the gospel and trust him, do you love your life so much that you would reject Christ asking you to do that? Even if you knew that he was asking you to go and that you would die for certain, do you love your life, do you love living here on earth more than you love Christ? Because if you hate your life, that means in contrast, you love Christ enough that you would be willing to lay down your life. It has no value to you when it comes to spreading the gospel. Your own life has no value to you when it comes to obedience. I, I think that's more what that verse is in relation to. Well, I just run into a very strange thing that happened. I have moderated and given authority to Missing Mod to moderate. She's got the name Missing Mod, but she says, I'm just learning how to mod. Oh, goodness gracious. The irony just doesn't go over me on that at all. Water with <laughs> your view. How's, how am I sounding now? Uh, a little bit better. It's whenever you talk for a while it was happening. Let's see if you're working now. Okay, well, um, I think Proverbs makes a really good point. I think it's probably, I, it could refer to both. It could refer to uh, giving, which I think is related to how much do you love the materialism? Or do you partake in, you know, uh, sinful selfies? Um, would you drop everything if Jesus? This came. Uh, would you drop everything to follow him? Um, how do you? How how are we thinking this topic of suicide? All I don't right. think it is in relation to suicide, personally. Well, I said that in the beginning of it, whenever I was reading the verse, that I don't think it pertains to it. But it's an interesting uh, verse having to do with life and how we should view the world and all this kind of things that I thought was interesting. I wanted to hear okay. you guys' interpretation of it. So do you agree, Water? You may not have been in here earlier, but God does see our bodies as a temple. He wants us to take care of ourselves. He doesn't want us to get into you know, things that are going to cause us harm and destroying us. However, is it biblical that suicide is some kind of unforgivable sin? There's only one I know of, but I'm willing to hear people out. It's still a work in progress. I, I think that, I think that people um, that Proverbs mentioned about uh, this father taking uh, secure life insurance for his family, Family. I think there may be instances suicide works into God's plan, and I'm sure other Christians listening, you know, want to throw up their arms or get on their keyboards immediately and start typing. But I look at, at how certain events unfold. Uh, there, there is explanation, um, and you know, God, God is all powerful. Uh, he, it's his decision uh, who receives 
salvation. So it makes sense to me that in certain instances, suicide is sin. But I, we, we as Catholics, again, and I have to reiterate, we do feel that it, if you've ever heard the term grave offense before. No. Okay, so grave offense would be um, uh, murder is also a grave offense. It has to do with offenses of, of um, taking, ending the lives or taking the whether it be yourself or others. Well, Proverbs, feel free to jump in there and uh, share your opinion or view if you have one. Yeah, so... <sighs> Whenever we're addressing scriptures, there's a whole lot of confusion out there because there's a lot of theologians who come up with these wild ideas and they preach it as the gospel, but it's really not. At the end of the day, Amen. it's a man's opinion. Um, and that is a very, a very good analogy of what we have going on here. I've heard so many believers say that Suicide is an unforgivable sin. Excuse me, there's only one unforgivable sin. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So if you're not blaspheming the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter what mistake you've made or what decision you've been forced with and chosen the right or wrong path. God knows your heart. And I don't see why a believer would think that suicide at all would be tied to blasphemy. They're totally different things. There's nothing more serious than blasphemy. So if it's not blasphemy, it is a forgivable sin. It's a sin that can be pardoned, and that's up to God. We should be very careful not to play God. All right, I got a question for you both. There was a time where I was listening to some uh, non-believers doing a live show a while back. It was a couple of years ago. And they had suggested that if the government were to ever allow like suicide clinics to exist in the world or in America, that they would be for it. Basically, this would mean that someone from 14 all the way up, if they chose that they didn't want their life anymore, they could go to a place and have doctors put them down. What is your opinion and thoughts of this? They felt that from 14 and up would be uh, feasible. Say, you you want to no. go first, Water? Yeah, yeah. Because so, I think there's a really distinction, and uh, there's something that really needs to be highlighted here. Verbs, uh, like like I said earlier, that that suicide is is not an an unforgettable. I don't think that that it, it doesn't make it necessarily okay, and I think that even easier that it, we make it for people to lives. I, I don't see any good um, coming from, from that, and especially not someone. That's, that's just ridiculous. Oof, boy, he's having a tough time on that mic for sure. What's your thoughts here, Proverbs? Yeah, so I, uh, I agree with him. I think that mass suicide like that would be encouraging 
people who are in desperate situations. And I think that's terrible because completing suicide is one of the most despairing situations anyone could go through. And and obviously not for just the person who's facing that torment before they finally make that decision, but also the family and loved ones that they leave behind. And as believers, and even beyond believers, Brett, as humanity, we should always put an emphasis on life, on the value of life. And it's so important to remember that when somebody completes suicide, that is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. But a lot of people don't think about it like that, especially if you're putting a phone booth 10 feet away from them after your wife leaves you for your best friend. Like, I think that's a very demonic thing, to be honest with you. Looks like water is back. Hopefully he's uh, figured out how technology in the year 23 works. Are you back with this brother? How do I sound now? Well, you sound okay when it's like short spurts and all that. It's whenever you're going on for a while that it tends to have the issue. I hope that Restream doesn't automatically set people's system properly. So you might want to go into the settings sometime and Turn off all the unnecessary stuff. That might help you out a little bit. So I got a hypothetical yeah, question. For, I've got a hypothetical question for people in voice chat as well as those out there in text. And remember, if anybody emails me and wants a link, you can get in. I don't want to just put it out there because there's some zoo animals that don't know how to control themselves, and it's a very serious topic. All right, are you ready for the hypothetical Proverbs guy? Hit me with it, Brett. The hypothetical is is that all of you are on an individual level. You're sitting on a cliff, and you're staring at the horizon, the beautiful sky, and you're having a wonderful day. Everything's going great for you. But suddenly you start hearing some scattering behind you in the woods. You look up. You notice it's the silhouette of a human being. This human comes out, and you notice that they are a pregnant woman between six and eight months old. She says to you, do not try to stop me. Respect my body. Respect my choice. I'm going to kill myself. What would you do? Tackle I would definitely try to stop her. <laughs> yes. You tackle that prego to the ground, Brett. It's a little extreme, but you get what I'm saying. I would not. It, How would you handle it, the water? Best of my physical ability, I would not let her get to the edge of that cliff, straining her. You do realize, both of you, that nowadays they tell us, they, they enforce this idea into our head. Our own government and our media tell us that we should respect a woman's body. We should respect her choice. So if she wants to end it, if she wants to... Her idea of respecting her own body and wishes is to end it. Then how can we go against what our government tells us and what the media teaches us? Well, that's an easy question to answer, Brett. Our Super government is demonic and wicked. Well, I'm listening. Sorry, water sounded like he kind of went over you for a moment. You go first, Proverbs, and then water. Yeah, so I mean... 
our government is wicked. I mean, take the the pro-life, pro-choice movement. You're literally rallying for a woman's right to murder. And I understand that there are situations out there where a pregnant woman uh, could be faced where there's birth defect or even in more extreme situations where the woman's life is at, is at uh, harm. But statistics have shown that that's less than 5% of the b- abortions that are performed in this country. That means 95% of the millions of children that we've murdered with this pro-choice movement has been a form of birth control. So when it comes to the government telling you that you have to respect a woman's choice, or you have God telling you that you have to value life and fight for life at all costs, you have to decide in that moment who is your God. Is the creator of heaven and earth and the creator of life who formed that child in its mother's womb your God? Or is your God the United States government who tells you, Life has no value, and this is not a living thing because it can't vote yet. Personally, I have no respect for the government when it comes to these decisions because they've got it wrong almost every single time. But God, on the other hand, has got it right literally every single time. So if I was ever placed in that moment, I don't like to use coarse language, but I say to hell with the government. I'm going to tackle that pregnant woman to the ground Because I don't know what she's going through in life, but she'll never know what great outcomes could be on the other side of it if she decided to end it then. And also, she's not just opting to end her own life at that moment. You literally have a decision to save two lives, the mother and the child. I don't know if you noticed, and I want to hear Waters' view on this, but... uh... Missing Mod said, wonder if uh, Father Chuck's going to be showing up so he can get a nap soon. Now, basically what she's suggesting, Proverbs, that if he does appear, he may fall asleep during the discussion. I don't have a problem with it. Every uh, every beauty needs its sleep. <laughs> but it would be fascinating because Water's a Catholic and so is Father Chuck. It would have been interesting to have them in the, the discussion. Well, they're similar, but Father Chuck is an Orthodox priest, so they're like distant cousins. I sent the link to Father Chuck because uh, I think he would have some great insight on this. And, you know, I actually did reach out to him yesterday. He sent me a couple text messages, and uh, I had it just put on my heart to let bygones be bygones, and I called him back, and... We hashed everything out, and we put it behind us, and, you know, things happen with friends, but I consider it a great privilege to have a friend like Pastor Chuck, and, you know, he's helped me root out a lot of misconceptions I had about Catholicism, and and uh, he's helped me work through a lot of things and understand uh, some of the disconnect between Protestantism and uh, Catholicism, and I'm very grateful for the knowledge that Father Chuck's brought to the table. Well, it looks like we got somebody named Tamar who just popped in. I don't know how they uh, got in. I don't recognize the name. <clears throat> Tamar, can you wave or something so I know you're human? All right. Do you know somebody called Tamar, their Proverbs? I do. I actually sent the link to her. She's a lovely young woman, um, a great friend. She's in the Messianic Torah community. 
And uh, this topic of completing suicide is something that's very personal and dear to her, too. And I'm not going to share, you know, the exact details because that's something that's intimate. And if she so decided to share it, that would be great. But, uh, yeah, I thought that it would be a, a wonderful topic for for her to experience being a widow. Hey, tomorrow. Well, I'm going to go ahead and put her up on the main screen. I'm going to make you uh, ear to face. Everybody's going to see you're not shy. Oh, are you <laughs> talking to people? I didn't really comb my hair, but that's okay. <laughs> It's okay. I haven't combed my hair or put on my makeup either. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't feel bad. Even when I comb my hair, I'm ugly as sin. Oh, no. <laughs> Not at all. So, did you see what the title of the room about is about? In the description? Okay, hold on. Okay, okay. Oh, it sounds like she's got a full party going on. Yeah, they, it's okay. You guys can continue. I, I just have to acknowledge them, you know. They're still kind of running around. It's all good. You're in there, Yeah, that, oh boy. that's it. Where is he? No, 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 no. Okay. You shouldn't put children on the screen. We've got monsters who like to watch the show. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't realize you were um, opening to the public like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we are live definitely streaming. live streaming. Okay, sorry about that. Sorry. Who is that? Ezra, go. You can't be on camera. It's no children. <laughs> yeah. That's just for your own good and your own protection. Oh, that. yeah, I, of course. Of course. You, you can never be too safe. I personally think that all children Whoops. in the world are miracles of God and love uh, seeing them happy and laughing and all that. It's just we live on a you know social media site that's just, ugh, you know what I mean? Yeah, hold on. I lost the screen, guys. Give me just a minute. I I can hear you. I just can't see you. Hold on. All right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, what happened here? Can you still see me? We can't see you, but we can hear you. Yeah, okay. your okay. screen went black, but we can hear you just fine. Ezra, you need to go. Hey, Enoch. All right, I'll tell you what, tomorrow, whenever you got things worked out over there, I'd love to have you back and hear what you have to say, all right? Yeah, get that straightened out, and we'll be more than happy to hear your views and ideas on things. Hopefully, people don't think that's rude of me, but, well, it is what it is. Yeah, unfortunately, with uh, her situation that relates to this very, uh, very sad topic that we're addressing tonight you know she's a, a widowed mother of seven kids so you guys be sure to keep her in your prayers and i've done a couple interviews with her she's a book author she's done some amazing work and she's actually done a lot of papers on theology uh concerning old testament theology and i think you guys would find it fascinating um you can find her on my my youtube channel the proverbs twenty seven seventeen youtube channel yeah, she's uh, she's back wow. there. Give us a thumbs up whenever everything gets cooled down over there. Are you ready? Can we get you up on the screen? All I'm right, all right. I got you up on the screen. So we're basically having a discussion about what happens to Christians who end their life. We're also we've been discussing okay. what happens when people of other faith. Basically, what happens with the afterlife deal, all that. We talked about some Bible verses, and also Mr. Proverbs has been scratching his back repeatedly on the mic. He's got a really itchy back today. Okay, okay. Dina, get down from there if you're dirty. 
So Proverbs, being that you are you have a close friendship with Tamar, would you like to review her on some of the questions and get her opinions and ideas on things? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, Tamar, we're having the great debate on whether or not suicide and completing suicide is an unforgivable sin. And what happens to believers who have a legitimate relationship with Christ Jesus, with Yeshua Messiah? What happens when they're placed in the unique, sad situation of having to decide whether or not ending their life would be best for themselves or for their family? What happens to them in eternity? you care to give us your, your input? Yeah, so this um, issue has come close to home for me. Um, I lost my father. I'm on a live stream. Can you go over there? Take it. I lost my father um, by suicide and um, my late husband as well. So um, I've done a lot of contemplating and meditating on this issue and scripture research and I don't see evidence in the Hebrew Bible which I consider to be the foundation of the New Testament you you know all the foundational concepts started in the Torah and the prophets and I don't see any eternal condemnation for the um, kings of Israel and the prophets who fell by suicide Um, of course it's not the end goal, you know, the most high wants us to have life, but there are situations in which, you know, oppression, captivity, different things drive people to suicide. And it's really a a time of sorrow and mourning. Um, you know, I, I think if it can be prevented, it should be, but I also think there has to be compassion when people are driven into a, a corner, you know, oppression is real. Um, there are times where people are taken as slaves or kidnapped or tortured, you know, extreme situations like that, where I, I mean, I mean, I think if I was in that situation, um, and, and I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, if you walk with the most high, he'll just save you out of everything. But you see plenty of examples in the Hebrew Bible where, um, his servants were allowed to suffer. You know, Abel wasn't saved from murder, and Joseph wasn't saved from prison. You have Daniel, you know, he wasn't saved from captivity. There's all, I, there's more situations, but like, or John the Immerser, you know, he was beheaded in prison. Um, you know, pe- people are not always saved from their suffering. Um, so the servants of the Most High suffer, and, and a lot of times it's to bring the the wicked and his people into judgment, you know. Um, so obviously, you know, we should do our best to prolong our life, but I definitely see compassion in the scriptures for those who, you know, collapse under oppression, you know, that, that would be my, my view on that. Mr. Uh, Proverbs, can you host for a little while with Tamar and water? I'll be right back in a moment. You're a great host, so I know you'll do a good job. Keep the zoo animals out there behaving. (laughs) Absolutely, Brett. So yeah, another point to add on to that, Tamar, that I had was that there's a misconception in the the Christian faith, and we'll extend that to the Messianic faith. I'll consider them, you know, one one large group. But 
there's a misconception in our faith that suicide is an unforgivable sin because there's no way to repent of it after the fact. Right. Right. But I, I strongly disagree with that because I'm right. very studied in the word and the word tells me clearly that there's only one unpardonable sin and that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I, I definitely think that we are going to have to answer to God when we decide to make that decision to complete suicide, right? Because right. God ultimately desires us to value the life that he gave us. But okay. I see no, no biblical standard that points to people who have been put in that unique and, and sorrowful situation that there's no redemption for them. Um, as a right. matter of fact, we know that people who are going through deep pits of despair like that are closer to the Father's heart. He, he suffers with them. He, he hurts right. with us. And I think that that definitely carries over even to the most extreme situations where people do decide to complete suicide, like your father and your, your late husband and even my brother. Right. Right. And you know, even if we could categorize suicide as a sin, I think people have to realize that it's not a sin of malice. You know, it's the, it's the sins in the Torah, which are sins of malice like kidnapping and adultery and murder of another person that are treated the most harsh. And it's suicide is not like somebody doesn't set out to hurt other people when they die by suicide. It's, it's utter despair. You know, like I think when a person is so broken or hurting inside that the father has compassion, you know, I mean, if like, if one of I, I try to put myself in like a parental role, like if one of my children was hurting so deeply that they thought that that was the only choice that they had, like, of course, I wouldn't agree with their choice, but there would be I'd have so much compassion for that situation. Like, could you imagine how much a person is hurting inside that they really convince themselves like, that this is the only way to my pain or whatever's ailing me um you know like if somebody's at that point like it's just sad you know it's not i don't think it's a point where we have to like keep pointing the finger at them like look what they did you know that's so bad i mean it's just sad right absolutely and brett brought up an interesting scripture verse earlier about um those who destruct god's temple which we are his temple now he will destroy them but if you think about it even in that decision of completing suicide that's been fulfilled because while destroying that temple god allowed you to be destroyed you know physically so that debt that he requires for that particular transgression was paid instantly in that moment yeah yeah i mean we are supposed to care for our bodies as a as a treasure you know um, but I just think that the father is close to people who are very broken. And I think suicide is a choice from brokenness, you know, past traumas or even inability to communicate because a lot of times a person is convincing themselves that, um, you know, that the people around them are better off without them. You know, a lot of people who die by suicide, they, their receptors for love are inhibited.
you know, they were taught as children that they weren't worthy. And those messages that are put into them from a very small child can linger for a long time, you know. Um, it's just it's just sad. I, I just don't see it being a situation in which condemnation is, is the approach because really a person could stay and be proud and enjoy all the luxuries of life, but they're actually choosing to leave the pleasures of this world. So it's just, it's sorrowful, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Water, are you still with us? Do you want to chime in? Yeah. I'm... Mm -hmm. You there, Water? Uh, give me one second. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. We hear you yes. loud and clear. Yeah, I was. I, I was wondering if you think this is an accurate of uh, of God. Would you just proverbs? So what is the question? Would you describe God as... I'm sorry, brother. All I got is, would you describe God, and then you blacked out. Okay, so it looks like Water is having some difficulties with his audio, and it looks like Tamar has stepped away briefly. I'll tell you what, Missing Mod, I sure do wish that you would take that link and hop on here and join us, because I feel like you would be an asset to this conversation. Yeah, and you guys let us know in the comments how many of you have been personally impacted by this topic. How many of you have a loved one or a friend or family member that has been so deep in depression or so down in despair that they've contemplated either completing suicide or actually taking the plunge to complete suicide? You know, and there's there's many situations in the scriptures where men have laid down their life. And we referenced the scripture earlier where the Bible says there's no greater love than this, than a man would lay down his life for his brother. And that is exactly what Christ did for us. You know, Christ did not have his life stolen Christ willingly laid it down. The Bible says that even while he was dying on the cross, he could have called hosts of angels. That's over 10,000 angels in an instant to come destroy the earth and take him off the cross and bring him back to heaven and set him on his throne. And he decided to stay there and be obedient to the will of the Father and suffer for us. That's laying down your life for your brother. Missing Mod, are you going to come join us? I really wish that you would. 
I happen to have on good authority that you have a microphone, and I also know that you have a YouTube channel where you've been doing some pretty good videos, and you have a very uh, radio-esque voice, so you need to stop playing these games and come join us. And I'm also trying to talk my girlfriend into joining us sometime, but she is super, super shy. Proverbs, you had said something uh, pretty interesting back in the conversation. You were mentioning how some people might argue that by committing suicide, you can't get forgiveness for the sin and stuff. This is what some people might argue. But isn't everybody in the world a sinner? Even if we accept Christ, none of us are pure or blameless. We can never be at the perfection of Jesus Christ. If you're driving down the road, let me give an example to folks. Any one of you are driving down the road and suddenly you look to your right, you're distracted, you see an extremely attractive man or woman, and you're like, wow, and you start having a little bit of lustful thoughts. And in that moment, you're hit by a damn banana truck. Just right at that moment while you're distracted in the middle of a lustful thought, but all your life you've committed yourself to God and Jesus, do people really believe that God is that petty that he will just simply say, ah, you screwed up in the last five seconds of your life. See ya. You know, no Pasco, collect $200. What's your thoughts, Proverbs? I 100% agree with you, Brett. As a matter of fact, I would take it even further than that. From Adam, the very first man who ever walked the face of the earth, the very first representation of mankind itself, all the way to the last baby who will ever be born in the history of the world, every single one of us is dying a sinner. Every single one of us is going to stand before the throne of a righteous God as filthy rags. And it's only after we get there and stand before our Father that Christ is going to cover our sins with with white, pure clothes covered in His righteousness. So every one of us is dying in sin. And that means every transgression I'm committing right now, whether God was to end my life in this very moment, or if I was to die 80 years old as a pastor and a missionary in Africa feeding sick children— I am a wicked, filthy, filthy, disgusting sinner. And it's only when I stand before my righteous Father and my Savior Christ Jesus covers my sins and covers my filthy rags that I'm I'm once then holy and purified. So I agree with you, Brett. And I don't think it's any different with someone who decides to complete suicide. So there's many different people who go through their struggles in life. There's people who are depressed. There's people who do not like the routine that the system and the government and maybe even the employment that they have. Maybe they don't, uh, they don't feel like they're providing good enough or they're doing enough protecting for whatever the reasons and justifications. If you were to engage someone like this Proverbs guy who just feels like there's, there's no hope to move on, What would you say to them if you had the opportunity to talk to someone who's suffering in this way? Well, you know, one thing that you really have to address first is what kind of suffering is this person going through, right? Like, is this person suffering emotionally? 
Because even though that can be very, very painful, you could still have some hope through that. You can still offer that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? Someone who's been married for 30 years to the love of their life and you know, their dear loved one passes away in a car accident and they feel like they have no purpose to go on in life. There's hope, you know, there's, there's hope out there for them to keep going on. And I would encourage them in that, but you also have other situations where, you know, it almost seems selfish to not try to at least be understanding, even though you would try to talk somebody into ultimately, you know, saving their life and preserving that gift that God gave them. You know, let's take an extreme situation. Say somebody has crippling cancer and it's non-curable, it's non-reversible, it's already past that point of no return. So they have a period coming very soon where they know they're going to die. Let's say they have a year and every single moment they wake up, they're in excruciating pain. And while they're in excruciating pain, they have to take medication that's tearing apart their Hold organs. On. Actually, let me mute that. Sorry, Stephen. I had to mute uh, Tamar. I don't know what's going on over there. Continue on. Sorry. Medication. Right. Medications, right? It's deteriorating your liver. So you're slowly destroying your temple anyways. Uh, and on top of that, you have an, a definite expiration date. Like... How could we justify telling them that God would be so displeased with them if they sped that year time frame up a little bit to take themselves out of pain? I don't see how we could, Brett. Well, I'm going to talk about something kind of personal to me that led into a lot of uh, issues that I've seen where people will eventually end up committing suicide or their lives will be destroyed, and I want people's opinion out there in chat as well as Proverbs. I have had many, many friends out there as well as some family members who have bipolar manic depression, who have severity depression, where they get to a point where they have their highs and their lows, where one day they feel like they're on top of the world, and other days they just feel like the world's coming to an end on them. It's literally falling apart around them. So some of these people, they want to make an effort to feel joy and happiness in their life. They want to get over that and balance out the chemistry. So they go to doctors and they either get misdiagnosed or they're given so many drugs and medications that it's like a human pharmacy running around. I feel like there's a, there's a lot of manipulation. There's a disadvantage going on there where people are looking for help. And then within 10 minutes, they're giving out all these prescriptions and all these drugs that they ought to take. And it ends up either turning them into a zombie or taking anything away from them that would have been considered life. And sometimes they're given so many drugs, they get addicted to it. And it ends up harming them physically and mentally and making it 100 times worse than before. Now, there's some positive stories out there, but there's a lot of really negative stories, and I don't see a lot of people talking about this. What is your thoughts, Proverbs? Sorry for going on so long. No, I would, I would have to say I agree with you. And, you know, we also have to keep in mind that we're at a very unique time in human history where it wasn't too very long ago where something as simple as the flu would almost certainly kill you. And there were so many diseases without treatment that 
it was a fast and painless death in a lot of cases. Whereas now where we've developed as a society with modern medications, we have the ability to prolong uh, an inevitable death from multiple various diseases. And I think that we've actually complicated it by doing so. Like in a lot of these cases where somebody has a disease that God would have been merciful in taking them out quickly out of the pain, we give them medications to extend it longer. And I just, my heart goes out to them in that kind of situation. You know what I mean? I hear you there. What is you guys' feelings out there, those who are in text? Seems like they're still concerned about water fixing his microphone. Uh, hopefully he does get that going because I would love for him to be able to participate in the discussion. I just see a lot of misuse of medication. I see a lot of doctors prescribing things that people really don't need. And sometimes I wonder to myself, is all those things prescribed to people because they want to help the folks or because they make an extra buck? I just am curious about that because I see too many people suffer. <clears throat> I see too many people with the joys taken out of their life and people find themselves in that dark road and they don't know if there's any kind of hope. Why is hope and having faith so important? It seems like a very, it seems like an element that the human species requires in order to exist. Why do you think that is? Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. I think it's because hope is a gift. And God is not oblivious to the fallen world, right? He knew before he even put Adam in the garden what ultimately it would all turn into. And I think that having hope was a gift, right? Even Adam had the promise of redemption through Christ all the way back after being kicked out of the garden. And imagine how pointless life would have been after being kicked out of the garden if he didn't have that hope of redemption. Could you imagine being the man who literally brought sin and death into the world and not knowing that one day God would give us the opportunity to be rescued from it. Could you imagine the guilt that Adam would have lived through? So hope and, and faith, these aren't just things that we happen to naturally default to. I think they're actually quite literally a gift that God gives us just to get through the day. I got a really odd question for you, Proverbs guy, because I know that you've uh, had a lot of discussions on this subject matter. I know Kent Hovind has had a lot of subject matter on this. But at what point in time did evolution evolve a mechanism in our head that told us that survival of the fittest is no longer important, that we should just end it? Where in evolution did this happen? You got any theories? Ah. <sighs> I don't know quite when this idea of survival of the fittest came in. I can tell you that it's definitely a wicked ideology, right? Survival of the fittest basically says the strongest one is going to win. But that's the exact opposite of the example that God gives us all throughout scriptures. Um, it's always supposed to be about looking out for the weaker vessels, right? We're always supposed to put weaker vessels ahead of ourselves. I mean, that's why God put the man 
over the, the family. It wasn't so that he could be Lord over the family. It was because he's the stronger vessel and he's supposed to be sacrificing himself daily for the weaker vessel. So I think that survival of the fittest is a ideology that literally came to be counter to God's perfect design, which was to look out for the weaker, right? I mean, God put Adam over the animals to be a caretaker over them. It wasn't so that he could hunt them all down into extinction and, and feast and barbecue every weekend. But everything about evolution is to counter God's original design. You know, it's an explanation for the absence of God. And when you take God out of the equation, evolution is a very sad theology. But not only is it a sad theology, it's a very selfish theology. When you get down to brass tacks and look at things just like you brought up. And it's counterintuitive also, isn't it? The survival of us. Because the fittest and the strong are going to one day get weak. They're one day going to get old. They're one day going to struggle with things that they didn't struggle with as hard before. So it seems like it's just simply a death cult. And it definitely goes against the very nature of God. God teaches us to be protectors, merciful, guardians of each other, to love each other. We're cosmic family that should be protecting, taking care of each other, not throwing someone away because they're old or because they're disabled or because they have some other thing going on with them, whether it's mental or physical. It seems like the beneficial way of doing things and also to keep ourselves alive and having hope and faith. It's also what keeps us moving forward. That's at least what I think. Yeah, I would totally agree with that, Brett. And even to push it a little bit past that point, right? God put a instinct in every creation on earth for a sense of community, especially with mankind. You know, he designed us to be a family unit. He designed us to be a community. And survival of the fittest is the deterioration of community, right? Because it moves us from one solid family unit looking out for each other and building each other up to all survive and thrive in, as one family unit to if I'm stronger than you, I'm going to survive because that's all that matters. It takes the design that God made for us to be a selfless unit, and it places us into a selfish unit. I agree with you, Proverbs guy. Well, I have. Uh, I feel as though I have said pretty much all I can say on how I feel about this. It's a very passionate, in-depth um concept that is going on in everybody's existence that I felt really, really needed to be talked about. I care about everybody, anybody, no matter what your non-belief is or your faith, uh, we care about you. We're interested in your life and we don't want to see people go down. My philosophy and advice has always been is that life is a roller coaster ride. It's going to have its ups and downs. There's no reason to rush the machine. Just finish it to the end. Enjoy the ride while it lasts and realize that the Bible, and as far as the Bible goes, it doesn't teach us that the world's going to be fair. It's not ever going to be righteous for us. 
But the only improvement and advancement we can do before God gets back is we can try to live godly lives and try to mimic at least the concept of love as well as heaven while we're still alive. And then, of course, when we pass, the joy and the tears go away. What you got for me, Proverbs? You got any more things you want to bring up? No, I, uh, I'm like you, man. I think we've addressed this topic with a good heart, and I'm really happy that you were willing to take on some of these taboo subjects that a lot of believers try to avoid because of confusion and being afraid that they're going to be judged for it. And I'm hoping that going over these different topics that we have in mind and God's put on our heart, we're going to be able to kind of take these taboo topics and bring them into the mainstream and hopefully unconfuse a lot of people about what's actually biblical and what is a well-meaning person's interpretation. Now, folks, in case some of you don't know it in the future, me and Proverbs, we are going to be hosting. We are looking for other people who are articulate and don't have a lot of background noise going on and who know how to work a functioning mic. It doesn't matter what your deal is or whatever, just as long as you're you know, uh, doing the right by God and everything. We're looking for good hosts. So if anybody's interested in that, you can email me at brettkeenphone at gmail.com. Leave some comments. Eat, just You can get a hold of me through Skype. I got all that information and links in the description. Uh, so Proverbs is going to be one of the main hosts. We're going to deal with a lot of really, really interesting topics. We're going to still allow it where there's an open discussion where people can come in and talk to us, providing they can control themselves and behave properly. And we'll try to do text chat and all that. And the moderators, I've made a whole bunch of moderators now, and also approved users to be able to leave comments anytime on the channel. If anyone would like to get a hold of me, I also got my real phone number out there. It'll take you to Google Voice, and you'll be able to connect with me anytime. If there's anybody out there that is feeling suicidal or depressed, there are many, many different sources, but if you feel like it's taken too long for you to get a hold of folks, contact me or go over to Proverbs Guy. He's going to give you his YouTube channel, and we are here for you. You don't have to feel alone. We do care. We will listen to you. We're not paid operators or something like that. We'll talk to you, and we're more than happy to be your friend. You're not alone in this world. We love you. Jesus loves you. Proverbs, uh, give them some plugs, tell them where to find you, and how they can go about harassing you on a daily basis. So you can find me on YouTube at the Proverbs 2717 YouTube channel, and that's going to be a great resource for you to catch some of these restreams that we're doing with Brett and some other interesting interviews that I've done and a lot more that I have coming up. And I'm hoping really soon Brett and I will be able to interview Marianelle Wyatt Lee here again. Uh, she's the widowed wife of Ron Wyatt, the man who discovered Noah's Ark, as well as a plethora of other biblical locations. But if you're wanting to get a hold of me quick and it's something like an emergency, uh, something that Brett described, you can get a hold of me directly on my email. I check it periodically multiple times through the day. It's stephenbolin89 at gmail.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-B-O-W-L-I-N, the number eight, the number nine at gmail.com. If you're going through something desperate like that, 
I will literally drop anything for you. If you need prayer, I'll even fast with you. My heart goes out to you. I love you very much, even though I've never met you. And it would absolutely be my honor to uh, be that community if you don't have one and you need one. All right. I'm going to be taking this out of the stream. Proverbs, if you decide you want to call me or email me and all that, I'll be more than happy to hear what your thoughts are and your feelings. I'm taking this off the screen. Here we go. Welcome to God TV Radio, hosted by Brett Keen. When you get a chance, you should check out his popular radio station. You can listen through Spotify and Amazon Music, as well as hundreds of other sources all over the internet. He has also authored five books that you can buy on Amazon and many other stores. All art and graphic designs by Brett Keane. Join his live shows if you have a microphone. Look on his front channel for scheduled shows. All information and links in the description of his videos.